Hi, I'm Rocco Impreveduto with Walters Core, and we're here today with Barbara O'Dell to provide five fast facts related to the Families First Coronavirus Response Act and the CARES Act. Uh, this discussion is going to be part of an ongoing series as we continue to uh, chat about the impact of COVID-19 and what it means to our future. Uh, so, Barbara, really, really pleased that you can join us today. Uh, if you can, tell us a little bit about yourself and your role here at Walters Core. Uh, Thank you for inviting me to speak with you today. I'm a legal analyst at Walters Clore. I have more than 25 years of experience here at Walters Clore. Uh, my field of expertise falls under the umbrella of labor and employment. Uh, specifically, I've worked on uh, content relating to employee benefits, payroll, which includes uh, wage hour issues and taxation, and unemployment insurance. Before coming to Walters Clore, I was an ERISA attorney and worked on pensions and employee benefits. Great. So we understand you obviously have a depth of knowledge here, um, and, and we're clearly here to talk about the unprecedented legislation uh, and its impact on the legal industry. Um, so can you give us an update on what you're seeing right now? Uh, what we're seeing is massive legislation with far-reaching ramifications in the face of the pandemic, uh, which is upending the way many employers are operating their businesses. The impact uh, ranges from forcing employers to shut down completely for a time to requiring them to work with a mostly remote workforce, whether they were prepared for that or not, to requiring them to ramp up production, for example, for medical supplies, um, coping with hugely increased demand for things like uh, delivery service or an online presence, or staying open to the public with an increase of, of risk of infection to their, to their workers. The legal industry is scrambling to keep up with the impact of these wide, widely disparate consequences. One result has been a glut of information. Every day, more and more legal publications and law firms are disseminating COVID-19-related information, webinars, and blogs to the public. It's wonderful guidance, and at the same time, it's information overload. It's really being hard, hard to keep up with it. Right. So, so knowing all that, um, and, and obviously trusting in your deep expertise here. Can, can you dig a little deeper and just tell us what you feel is the most significant uh, or what are the most significant uh, developments related to this? There are five significant developments that have come out of the legislation. First is unemployment insurance changes. In essence, the two laws, the Families First Coronavirus Response Act and the CARES Act, have expanded unemployment insurance benefits Generally, if you lose your employment, you qualify under state law for unemployment benefits. The CARES Act added another layer of protection. If you qualify under either the state rules for benefits or under the new pandemic unemployment assistant rules, you're going to get another $600 a week added to the benefit amounts you would receive. Uh, and that is going to last for approximately four months. This pandemic unemployment assistance is significant because it can go to people who wouldn't otherwise be eligible for unemployment benefits, like the self-employed. Um, some other items to maybe be aware of is states are going to be requiring you, the employer to provide notice of potential benefits to laid off employees, and states are going to have to um, uh, ease some of the requirements to re receive benefits, such as work search requirements and the waiting period for receiving benefits. And there is some question on how the states are going to do that, whether they're going to have to amend their laws or somehow change their policies. 
the next significant is uh, is um, the Emergency Family Medical Leave Act changes uh, with regard to child care leave. Um, the FMLA was amended so that eligible employees are entitled to 12 work weeks of leave during any 12-month period because of a qualifying need related to public health emergency, although that benefit is going to end on December 31st, 2020. This new emergency leave um, applies to employers with fewer than 500 employees and requires that an employee cannot work or telework because they need to care for their child, or this child's school or place of care has been closed, or their child care provider isn't available due to the public health emergency. There's lots of details about this. The Department of Labor is coming out with new guidance every day, but that's the basic premise behind the emergency family medical leave. The third significant piece of the legislation is the emergency paid sick leave. So private employers with fewer than 500 employees are being required to provide each employee with emergency paid sick leave of uh, 80 hours for full-time employees and for part-time employees, the average number of hours worked over a two-week period when the employee cannot work or telework due to the need for leave. Um, and there are six ways an employee can be eligible for this kind of leave, and that's going to impact how much uh, your pay will be. So the first three ways are going to be related to you personally. So you are subject to a federal, state, and local quarantine or isolation order, or you've been advised by your health care provider to self-quarantine, or you're experiencing symptoms of COVID-19 and you're seeking medical diagnosis. The next three involve caring for someone else or responding to a government requirement. So that includes you're caring for an individual who's subject to a quarantine or self-isolation order or has been advised by a health care provider to self-quarantine, or you're caring for your son or daughter whose school or place of care has closed. Or finally, you're experiencing any other substantially similar condition specified by the relevant government agencies. Uh, and these requirements apply, also apply to public employers and to non-private entities that have one or more employees. So whether you fall under the first three uh, types or the second three, um, again, that's going to impact how much you're going to uh, be entitled to pay. If you fall under the um, paid sick leave because you're unable to work or telecommute, then you're going to receive the greater of your regular rate of pay, uh, the federal minimum wage, um, which is $7.25 an hour, or the applicable state or local minimum wage. And um, what employers need to be aware of is that employees are entitled to a maximum of $511 per day or uh, $5,110 total over the entire paid sick leave period, which is considered two weeks. Um, and if you fall under the second three items where um, you're taking care of somebody else or there's some, some government order, um, then you're uh, entitled to compensation at two-thirds of the greater of the amounts that I just discussed, or you're subject to a maximum of $200 per day or $2,000 over the entire two-week period. The fourth thing that came out of this legislation to be aware of is 
is there are some payroll and benefit implications. Um, together, the bills provide payroll tax relief for employers. So um, the Families First Corona Response Act provided reimbursement to employers for the family leave and sick time provisions through payroll tax credits. So employers are going to be allowed a credit for family leave wages paid, and that credit is against the OASDI tax or the RRTA tax, and that's your Social Security tax and railroad retirement. Um, for the calendar quarter in an amount equal to 100% of the qualified sick leave wages paid for the calendar quarter. The CARES Act also defers the time of payment for payroll taxes. So payroll taxes that are due from the period beginning on the date that the law was signed, so that's March 27th, and ending on December 31st, 2020, are deferred. Um, with, the ha- with half of the deferred taxes going uh, to be due on December 31st, 2020, and the remainder due on December 31st, 2022. Uh, employers are also eligible for credit against employment taxes equal to 50% of qualified wages paid to employees who are not working due to the employer's full or partial cessation of business or a significant decline in gross receipts. The amounts of wages include housing benefits for which the credit can be claimed is limited to $10,000 in aggregate per employee for all quarters. So those are all things that apply to employers. The benefits portion applies to um, all of us as individuals. The CARES Act is waiving the 10% penalty on early withdrawals of up to $100,000 from qualified retirement plans for coronavirus-related distributions. It also waives all required minimum distributions for 2020, regardless of whether the taxpayer has been impacted by the pandemic. So so pretty nice. Uh, And the final significant thing to come out of the legislation uh, is in regard to some limits on employment-related activities. So... Uh, the CARES Act is imposing uh, requirements that uh, on businesses that, that want to take advantage of some of the s- financial supports under the CARES Act. Um, for example, uh, under certain circumstances, some businesses that are participating in the loan programs may be required to maintain 90% of their workforce to not outsource or offshore certain for a certain period may be subject to limitations on compensation for certain highly compensated officers, employees. Um, They may not abrogate existing collective bargaining agreements, and they may even be required to maintain neutrality in the face of union organizing campaigns. Right. So so clearly massive implications across the employment spectrum as it relates to to this issue. what have you found to be the most unique uh, or unusual aspect about the situation we're now in here? Well, in the past, we've enacted emergency stimulation in response to what I would characterize as man-made economic problems. So we know from the past that certain stimulus will have a positive impact on our economy. And I suspect we could even model a timeline for that recovery based on, on, on that historical knowledge. But this time, we're dealing with a pandemic, so we're responding to an event that we can't control or predict. 
the last time we had a major pandemic in this country was over 100 years ago. So we have limited data to predict the ultimate impact the legislation will have on the economy. I would also say that the type of response is unique. In the past, we focused on providing economic support to business and to impacted employees, for example, providing taxpayers one-time payments or providing loans to impacted businesses. This time, we're going beyond the usual types of stimulus to provide support due to illness in the form of paid leave. Interesting. So, so now, with that said, what is a, a next step? Or what is a, 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 the next likely decision point that we should be looking out for here? I think there's a couple things that employers are going to need to consider. Um, one, how are you going to administer your emergency paid sick leave? Um, you may need to work with your HR, your payroll, your external vendors to update systems used to track and pay employees correctly for taking employee emergency sick leave. And you're going to probably need to look at your systems that you use for uh, FMLA, um, in, and I would say that's whether you administer FMLA internally or use an external vendor, you're going to need to reach out to those relevant parties to see what information you may need to gather for them. Um, you're also going to need to look at, you know, there's lots of, of interesting tax credits um, that you may be eligible for. And, uh, you know, you're going to need to work with your, your, your counsel and your accountants to determine what you do qualify for. And finally, I would really highly recommend that um, you keep track of everything that you're doing in response to the legislation. Uh, make sure you're gathering the necessary documentation to support your implementation of the requirements and the decisions you have made about it, uh, because at some point in time, you may be required to account for those decisions. So, so knowing as you've stated, that this is a truly uh, unprecedented uh, situation we find ourselves in here. Do you have a, a thought or a, uh, an opinion on what the long-term, longer-term future may hold? Well, we already know there's speculation that there's going to be more, more legislation, so that is definitely something to watch. And based on the current legislation, we also know that the Department of Labor and the Secretary of Treasury have been directed to issue guidance. So I'm looking for regulations or some other type of guidance to be issued, and, and we are starting to see that come out. Um, in the longer term, I have been reading that this pandemic could last more than 12 months, and the current legislation is scheduled to expire at the end of the year. So we could be faced with a need to extend the benefits provided under the legislation into next year. I find myself wondering if the changes to our employment landscape, such as remote working, will become a permanent normal. Wow. Yeah, I mean, just a serious uh, change in the entire dynamic, right, in our entire landscape here from an employment perspective um, with a lot of moving parts. And, and it seems like a, a, a significant effort to provide as, as much relief as, as possible uh, as we all go through this. Um, so, so Barbara, I really do want to thank you for your time today. Um, this has really uh, been very beneficial, really helpful, certainly to me and to, to the folks that are going to be listening. Um, and for those of you that are listening, if you'd like to receive more information related to COVID-19, you can visit our free open web resource at lrus.walterskluwer.com. 
just click the banner at the top and it'll take you to our page. Uh, or go to employmentlawdaily.com uh, where folks like Barbara are contributing mightily uh, to the information uh, that you've just heard uh, and providing more and greater detail and analysis over time. Uh, you can get a free trial there. Uh, so that was, again, Barbara Odell. I'm Rocco Preveduto with Walters Clore. Uh, thanks for listening, and we hope you found it beneficial to your, your work.